Sarah, are we good to go? Okay. Um, good evening. Before I start, we call the meeting to order just a few items of housekeeping. Number one, in terms of the petitions this evening, they all, when relevant or appropriate, have been posted. On the subject property, adjoining property orders have been notified. Petitions have been printed or published in the newspaper and they're available and were available on Route County website. This is considered somewhat of a hybrid meeting to the extent that um, we're using the Zoom venue as well as the in-person venue. And I suppose the third option is just to call in, but I guess that kind of dovetails with the Zoom now that I think about it. Uh, for those that are on Zoom, we'd appreciate it if you would Keep yourself muted, uh, muted unless speaking. Um, if you have a question between staff and Sarah, I think we'll be able to see it. 
Uh, typically, there's a raise hand function on the Zoom venue and use that. Um, for those that are appearing in person, we have a sign-up sheet, which I'm assuming everyone has signed already, so that part is good. We'd appreciate it, including me if all cell phones are silenced and or turned off. Sure, go ahead and do a sound check. Um, over over Zoom. Um, if is there, can everyone hear us over Zoom? Can you just raise your hand, please? Or unmute um, and say yes. Oh, perfect. Thank you, Kelly. So we're good on that part. Yes. Okay. Uh, with that, I'd like to call to order the July twenty first meeting of uh, the Rock County Planning Commission. Sarah, if you'd be so called to call the roll, please. Yeah, excuse me, Yes. Brian Kelly. Andrew Benjamin. Bill Norris. Here. Craig Yeager. Here. Linda Miller. Here. Jim Franchet. Here. Police. Here. And Ren Martin. Here. We uh, have a quorum, so we may move forward. First item on the agenda, public comment. Anyone who wishes to address the commissioners on any topic that is not on the agenda for this evening, now would be the time to do so. Hearing and seeing none, we'll move on to the next item. Approval of minutes of May 5th, 2022. Commissioners, I'm assuming you've read and studied the minutes. Any changes, additions, subtractions, deletions, what have you? Hearing none, might there be a motion? So move, move to approve the minutes of May 5th. Thank you, Jim. Second? Second. Thank you, Ren. All those and all those in favor of approving the minutes as provided, please signify by saying yes. Yes. Opposed say no. Motion is carried. Next item, the minutes of June 23rd, 22. Again, any additions, corrections, deletions, or what have you? Hearing none, again, may there be a motion. Again, move the approval of the minutes of June 23, 2022. Thank you, Jim. And a second? Second. Thank you, Ren, again. All those in favor, please signify by saying yes. 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 All those opposed say no, motions carried, minutes are approved. Next item for consideration, Greenberg replat. Um, I don't believe it's relevant, but I will disclose that I am the secretary treasurer of the Willow Creek Pass Village Association, which is the HOA that in part manages Steamboat Lakes property of which this petition is part of. I also chair the Environmental Control Committee, which is in effect the Architectural Review Committee for the association. Um, I'm disclosing them. I can't conceive of how it, my positions influence the petition, but I just thought I'd bring out there to keep things above board. So with that in mind, next. Activity is, is activity PL 2022 0038, 
Greenberg, Greenbird repad. It's a lot line adjustment and vacation of utility easement. I'm guessing that I neither the petitioner nor his neighbor are here this evening, either way. Uh, the partitioners are here on Zoom. Oh, very good. Greetings. Um, do you have any comments that you wish to present to the commissioners? Sure, and thank you, Steve. Um, first of all, uh, we appreciate the opportunity to, uh, we wish we could be there in person, but we appreciate the opportunity to join this way. Um, a couple years ago, we purchased lot three in Buckhead Ranch, and we identified a, well, first of all, I'm so sorry, I meant to introduce, this is Michelle, my wife, <laughs> and I'm Jim Ingwerson, and uh, we purchased this lot three in Buckhead Ranch a couple years ago, and it's a five-acre lot, and um, shortly thereafter, we identified a preferred building site in the southwest corner of that lot, and after meeting our neighbors, uh, Jim and Francis Callahan, uh, they indicated a future desire of some sort to fully incorporate the pond that was split by our lot line uh, into their lot. And so we are proposing a mutually beneficial um, lot line adjustment of the common line between lots two and three uh, that maintains the five acre size of our lot and uh, benefits both property owners. And I, as I understand it, this would normally just be an administrative action, but because we need to vacate and then rededicate an associated utility easement along that common line, uh, it requires a public hearing. So with that, we thank you again, and uh, we're here for any questions. Thank you, Jim. Mike? Um, yeah, that's basically the long and the short of it. Um, I've got an existing conditions here where you can kind of see how it's set up. Um, they're at the very southern terminus of Greenberg Place, and they've got this line, the lot line between these two properties zigzags uh, like so. Um, when it goes south, it zigzags to the east. Um, and a lot, lot two is already developed, lot three is pretty steep. I did a site visit that um, confirmed that. And the lake is split right now by the property line. And so they want the flat area that they want to put their house is kind of like right about here. Um, so they are simply changing it to like this. And so the old the old lot line would have been kind of about here, and the new one would be like this. And it just exact the opposite way. The lake, the pond is not shown on this this is what the actual plat would look like um, but it would be kind of about here so the pond is mostly completely on lot 2a um building site where they want to put their house is right here there's no build there's no build zone right here that they'd be going kind of around um and this easement actually um, has multiple functions because as you can see it crosses over both lots lot 2a is able to use the use this part or they're able to use this part of the driveway to get onto this back part of their property where they've got some like underground equipment. And then lot 3A is able to, lot 3A obviously needs to cross over their lot to get back onto their lot again. So they're kind of sure. Um, just to confirm, both lots still have 
a net of over five acres. Yes, um, they're they're uh, lot two A would be six point two nine five, and lot three A would be five point zero zero five. Um, the surveyor went to three decimal places because, as a result of our code requiring an intersect greenberg place that get like a roughly ninety degree angle right here, it changed the sizes of the lots by point zero zero five meters. And there are no, we have no conditions recommended other than the default ones that we put on any class Are there any, at this point in time, any questions from the commissioners of either the petitioner or staff? Uh, I'd like to turn it to the public. Is there any questions from the public regarding this petition, either Zoom or otherwise? Nobody ever zoomed. Okay. Having said that, we'll close the public portion. <clears throat> Once again, commissioners, questions of either staff or the petition. Recognizing that this is a rather straightforward petition. Um, it's a matter of PL 2022 sorry, 0038. Sherilyn obtained a motion. Motion Commissioners of staff. We have a motion. Might there be a second? Second. Thank you, Jim. Any discussion on the motion? Hearing none, all those in favor, please signify by saying yes. 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 Opposed saying no. Chair votes yes, motion is carried. Petition is approved. Thank you. Thank you very much. Good afternoon or evening, I should say. <clears throat> Next time for consideration. I don't know what's polite. Activity PL 2020030 Heritage Village. Um, just a couple of one comment in advance, I think I'd like to make. The commissioners have received, <clears throat> when we got here this evening, one, two, five. Sorry, thank you. <laughs> five notices we have, or letters or comments, I guess I should say. Um, we have policy here that all written comments need to be provided to the commissioners 72 hours in advance. Um, and we're gonna stick to that policy I know that I read as quickly as I possibly could, but frankly, I don't feel that I did a deserving job of that. So with that thought in mind, we'll keep these letters on file and obviously they'll become part of the file, but for this evening's purposes, we're not gonna discuss them or go through them. We will, however, have opportunity for public comment during which um, I'm sure a number of the issues that likely surfaced in those letters will come forward and we'll be able to at that time. Thank you. <clears throat> I would like, just like to make a comment that those letters will be included in the board the packet that goes to the board county commissioners. I expect that, but thank you for the clarification. I appreciate yeah. that. Um, do we have a petitioner available for us this evening? <clears throat> Sir, come on up. Sure. 
Yes, please. Uh, good evening, Eric Smith for BSA Architects. I'm representing the petitioner, Ty Longer. He's here to answer any questions. Uh, I've just got a very brief presentation. Alan, do you have this on the PowerPoint? Uh, yeah, you want the site plan? Please. That's probably good right there. Essentially, the proposal in front of you tonight is to modify the previous approval. We had an existing approval in place for four single-family homes on parcel C, which is this parcel here, and three duplexes or six units on parcel D, which is across on the other side of Brandon Circle at the entry point for a total of 10 units. The proposal tonight is to essentially abandon the proposed development on parcel D, develop about half of parcel C to leave open space adjoining the Brandon Circle, to put a new road in that we're referring to as the private street there, private drive, would essentially uh, lots on both sides on a portion of parcel C and on parcel A and B. Excuse me. Uh, can you get a, 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 a split screen of parcel C and D? Yeah, that would be good. Well, that's maybe a good overview. Parcel A and B are within this rectangle on the far left right there. That's A and B. C is where the four single family blocks are currently approved. And then parcel D, there are three duplex lots on there for six units. And then parcel E is immediately to the south of that. And then parcel F is the parcel that the school building is located on. And essentially, this proposal in front of you this evening is to abandon the development approved on parcel D modify the development approved on parcel C and put single family lots on parcels A and B. This overview shows the existing Heritage Park subdivision, which includes 77 single family lots and three duplex lots for a total of 80 lots on the existing subdivision. It all accesses off of Brandon Circle uh, the proposal tonight for the preliminary and sketch will be followed, obviously, by hearings that have to go through the final process here. We have reached out to the traffic engineer to conduct a traffic study. We could not get that done prior to this hearing, and the other issue raised by the traffic consultants is they would rather do this traffic study when the school is in session, where they can get accurate counts on traffic, trying to do that with someone when the school is vacant doesn't give us real accurate counts on the traffic. So we expect that traffic study to be conducted here in the next uh, couple of months after school is in session. That is being done by Fox Tunnel. And obviously that traffic study will look at both existing and proposed traffic and what we call the background traffic on Highway 40. That study will typically include any recommendations they have in terms of improvements that they see might be connected with the proposed development. So as we go further down the road with that process, we'll be in a better position to address what those traffic impacts may be from the standpoint of that study and what proposed uh, infrastructure improvements might be recommended related to that. Essentially, the lots 
Our smaller lots, similar in size to what we have here in downtown Steepo. Our proposal is to be able to develop these lots as primary residential lots uh, for sale of Rock County residents. We intend to de-restrict these from short-term rental or VRBOs. Uh, we don't have short-term rentals in here. Our objective is to try to do this, de-restrict them, so we have really primary residential lots to serve that community need, which we all know is fairly substantial at this point in time. Uh, those are most of my comments. I'll answer any questions that I might. Um, I had one that just, it was a little bit of a mis misunderstanding. So much, but I, belong, I thought I saw in the narrative that front porches are required, however, or planned to be required, excuse me. That's correct. Okay, because I thought staff was recommended and I wanted to sort that through my head. We've included that in our design guidelines. We want to set the garages back from the front of the building right. so that we don't create a garage scape on the front. We want the house to be the predominant uh, architectural element. We have requirements in there for the other architectural components, which we'll refine in more detail. Okay, thank you. Uh, one question. Yes. Clarification. You mentioned Round County residents, but it's not going to be restricted. Or Rock County residents. We're, we're happy to do Rock County residents on this initial sale. Can that be true? Really our intention. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Any other questions for the petitioner at this moment? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I don't know who you are. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, time Walker. Oh, hi. So, petitioner. Yes. Sure. We're proposing. Thank you. Take the lectern, please. Which I think we have that. Maybe a couple of other slides, Alan, that have the yellow. On there, yeah. We have this slide, and then another one. That one we've got that showed the existing lots. Yeah, you got that? that? Oh, you did not include that. Okay. Basically, that shows the existing. Um, oh, what Eric was talking about is, is the, the, the sheet that has the, the, mm -hmm. the colored yellow. So that's what's going on. That yellow sheet just shows the existing lots as they are currently approved for parcel C and parcel D. And you can see from that handout that the lots on parcel C2 were much larger, the ones on parcel D essentially covered the majority of that parcel. And essentially, we're proposing obviously to eliminate all of those. The existing, one other comment, the existing Heritage Park subdivision, which has the 80 lots, was built out, approved and platted over 20 years ago. It was built out over the course of a, probably about a four year period. So they had about 20 homes a year constructed to build out the carriage park. There were a few vacant lots left over there, but not many. Uh, it, 
is our anticipation that these lots will be probably sold over a one year period and built on over one to two years. What we're anticipating is that the construction traffic generated by this obviously really impacts the Thrive Road and the entrance to Brandon Circle. And what we would like to propose is that with our construction, when we do the second overlay of paving on Brandon, or excuse me, on the private drive section, we go ahead and overlay them from the intersection of the private drive on out to Highway 40 to just make sure that we took care of any construction related activity or damage related to the new construction proposed, which would involve obviously initially water and sewer and road infrastructure. And then as they build out the existing or the proposed residences, then the construction activity obviously in 20 plus homes. Sir, with uh, parcel C6, the private drive that's uh, led in uh, for uh, the already uh, approved uh, PUD, is that private drive already there or that would be built if you would uh, move forward with that proposal? The drive that's shown on this plan, C6? Yeah, that says parcel C6. Okay, that was part of the earlier proposal. That uh, but that doesn't currently exist. It does not. Okay. Essentially, the application summary is going from 10 units to 26 units, so an increase of 16 units. Can staff give a little history on that? That entitlement, and were there any other parts to that entitlement, for example, A and B, or any of the uh, other options? I'll, I'll get to that. Yeah, okay. yeah. Any other questions for the petitioner? Again, this one staff. And then turn it over to staff, Ellen. All right, so we're here to discuss the Heritage Village application. This is a conceptual PUD slash sketch subdivision. And since this is a conceptual review, not all the details are present. Uh, the goal of this hearing is to determine compliance with any applicable plans and provide feedback when identified issues specifically open space uses, requirements for sidewalks, and behavior pedestrian safety. Planning Commission will make a recommendation to the Board of County Commissioners who will make the final decision on this application. Uh, we're gonna go over staff's recommendation or staff's recommendation is to approve with the suggested conditions and to require sidewalks. And so if this is approved by the Board of County Commissioners, they will come back with preliminary and final subdivision and final PUD. Uh, there's a possibility that those could be done concurrently and they would go to both planning commission and the board of county commissioners. So we've uh, seen the, uh, the vicinity map 
So Steamboat 2 to the north, Sleeping Giant to the school campus to the northwest. Um, you just saw the approved development plan for parcel C with the four single family residences, parcel D with the three duplex residences. All of the green areas are the open space parcels. Uh, and so this is what's currently approved. So the green are the open space parcels, the red is the school, and the yellow are the existing residential, the 80 residential lots. And so Ren, to answer your question, the, the development plan that approved parcels, the developments on parcel C and D, that was all that it included. Uh, that plan still considers the soccer fields on parcel A and B as part of the open space uses. Um, and so the for parcel C and D, the PUD plan has been recorded, but the flat has not. And so that is so that's why you see the, the property boundaries as they are on this map showing parcel C and D as as one or as two separate lots and not those uh, seven that have been approved because the, the flat has not been Um, so the school, it is on a 4.91 acre parcel, the open spaces total 11.8 acres with the two soccer fields, uh, there is a trail along the highway to the north of the developed residential lots and this parcel right here and this parcel that fronts the highway right here are both owned by the Steamboat 2 Metro District. And then the surrounding uses are Steamboat 2 to the north, Sleeping Giant School Campus to the north, east, and then the Steamboat Golf Club to the south. And so this is the site plan for the proposal. As they said, it's a 26 residential units. Uh, 20 single family lots and three duplex lots. They are requesting allowances for 450 square foot single or secondary dwelling units on the single family residential lots only. Wouldn't be able to do that on the duplex lots. Uh, two car garages and a maximum height of 40 feet. And so the setbacks, since this is a PUD, the typical setbacks associated with the zone district do not apply. Uh, the applicant can request the setbacks and if deemed appropriate, that would be approved by planning commission and board. So the setbacks that are proposed are 10 foot rear setbacks, five foot side setbacks, and then those various front setbacks. And I just do want to note that those are not build two lines, those are actually setbacks. So if somebody wants to put their house, the front of their house 20 feet from the front property line, they can put their garage at that same level. And so I don't know if that is what was intended with those, but um, there are some developments in the city that the garage is required to be set back from the front of the house. And that is how those city zone districts accomplish the front loading of the, of the house instead of the garage. So 
that's something to, to keep in mind when we're, if we're going to be discussing setbacks. And so these setbacks are more permissive than what is what has been approved at Heritage Park and what is typically allowed through normal zoning in the county. And that allows a higher density to be achieved. And so going into detail on the open space lot, so the there, since this is a PUD, there's a 25% open space requirement. And we are looking at that open space for the entire Heritage Park project. So we're taking the total acreage of the 80 residential lots and then everything in this area. And that 25% open space requirement equals 10.85 acres. And they are proposing seven open space parcels to achieve that requirement. Uh, the proposal in front of us does remove the existing soccer fields from the open space. And so PUDs are intended to promote community amenities and that is uh, straight out of the, the zoning regulations. No uses have been defined on these open spaces. Um, portions of the proposed open space contains wetlands to the north adjacent to the highway in this area. And then to the south of the lots is a stormwater retention pond. Um, and so since no uses of the open space have been, have been defined, uh, staff would like planning commission to provide directional what type of uses would be acceptable in the open space so that the applicant can take that to his team and determine what open spaces they would like to propose. So the referral comments that we got were received from CDOT and they said that a traffic study will be required for the intersection of Brandon Circle and Highway 40. And then Comments from the city of Steamboat Springs were inadvertently left out of the staff report, and their comments stated that this application was not in compliance with the Steamboat Springs area community plan. And they quoted or cited policy GM 1.1, which states areas within the UGB will be required to develop in an urban fashion as an annex to the city prior to or at the time of development, assuming that annexation criteria can be met. And then they also cited in policy GM 1.2, which states the plan encourages urban land uses to locate only within incorporated areas to obtain, obtain city services, utilities, and fire protection. So going back to policy GM 1.1, which mentions urban fashion, urban fashion is not defined. And so planning commission needs to answer the question of the overall proposed density match your definition of develop in an urban fashion. Should it be more higher density or should it be less? So that's some of the direction that we're looking for tonight as well. For public comments, uh, earlier in the week, we received two letters of support and those were provided to planning commission on Tuesday morning. And then in the past 24 hours, we did receive five letters expressing concerns with the application. Three were about vehicular and pedestrian safety. Two expressed concerns with the development of the soccer fields and the open space. And then one of them also mentioned non compliance with the steamboat's criteria. 
So one of the big issues that staff identified was vehicular safety. Steamboat Montessori and the Heritage Park Preschool operate out of the school that's in this neighborhood. Uh, neither of them have buses, so everybody, all the kids are, if they don't walk to school, they are dropped off by their parents. So in the morning, the drop-off and pickup lines in the morning and evening walk Brandon Circle and back up onto the highway. And some of the pictures that are on the presentation, you can you can see that where in this bottom picture, there's a line along Brandon Circle, and then there is a line in the left-hand turn lane on the highway as well. And then the top picture shows uh, behind the Heritage Park sign, a couple of uh, cars just parked on the uh, parked on the shoulder waiting to get in. Um, this causes drivers to make unsafe maneuvers to avoid traffic. Some of those that I have been told about are uh, if they're going westbound, they pass the intersection for Heritage Park Steamboat 2, make a left-hand U-turn on the highway, and then get in the westbound or the eastbound right-hand turn lane to turn into Heritage Park. I've also heard of people getting in a left-hand turn lane. They're not, they just live in Heritage Park, and so they don't want to wait for the for the vehicles to, to move through. So they jump into the eastbound lane, going westbound, zoom past the cars, and then turn into the high, turn into Heritage Park, hoping to avoid any ongoing traffic. Um, and then there's also, this creates issues for people trying to make a left-hand turn on the Steamboat 2 heading towards town. And then going back to the, the site plan, so their proposed entrance for this new development off of Brandon Circle is the same entrance that is utilized by both of the schools for entrance into the parking lot. And so that would create additional congestion and, and traffic issues. CDOT will require a new traffic study. And as the applicant stated, and staff made the recommendation in the staff packet that a traffic study be done during school, when school is in session, so that these issues can be observed and any uh, mitigation measures identified. Uh, pedestrian safety is also a concern. Uh, kids from Heritage Park walk to walk to school uh, at the, the Montessori school. Kids from Steamboat 2 cross the highway to get to the Montessori school as well. Kids from Heritage Park cross the highway to access the trails and Steamboat 2 so that they can get to the Sleeping Giant school. And walking on Brandon Circle during times of traffic backup and residents using Brandon Circle going and returning from work creates concerns as well. Uh, when the traffic is backed up, when snowfall piles start to encroach onto the road, that road gets very narrow. And you have kids, multiple kids with their families walking on the road while people are trying to get to work and get home from work, it creates a it, it, it creates a safety situation that should be addressed. And any time a development proposal comes through, that is the time to address those concerns. 
So there was a comment made in the staff report that you could see the river from the highway and that the proposed homes would block that view. That is not the case. You can't see the river from the highway. What you can see are the mature cottonwoods that are on the golf course and then the railroad that is the south golf course and between the golf course and the, and the river. Um, so the, the questions that we would like the planning commission to answer is, should sidewalks be required? If so, where should they be located? Can the traffic and pedestrian impacts of this new development on top of the existing concerns be mitigated? Is the proposed density acceptable? Should it be higher or should it be lower? And then what types of uses would be acceptable for the open space? Thank you. So that's all I've got for now. If y'all have any questions, I'm here to answer. That's plenty there, Alan. Um, I'll start off with just a couple little ones. Um, are there, there are no sidewalks in the existing heritage park, are there not? They're not. There's not. I don't think so. Um, second question, is CDOT ultimately the authority when it comes to installing traffic control and traffic signals and that type of thing? So they, that's really what they do for living, so to speak. Yeah, and they have a they have an access control plan for Highway 40, which identifies locations of uh, of traffic lights and where they would be appropriate based on vicinity proximity to other traffic lights and the uses that are taking place at that intersection and potentially could take place at that intersection. Sure. So. Questions for staff? Um, where is the traffic light that does support Sleeping Giant? It's further to the east? It's further to the east at the intersection of County Road 42. 44. Okay. 42. Question? Yes, Alan, you mentioned that uh, the, the city said that, that this does not comply with the Steamboat Springs area community plan, mm -hmm. but the report said that in the findings of fact that it did. So is that a point of argument? uh well so that is the city's that's their interpretation that's their interpretation i mean because uh policy gm 1.1 the last phrase says assuming that annexation criteria can be met which i there's there's a one six contiguity requirement in order to annex something into a municipality this doesn't even border the city limits of Steamboat Springs, so it's not even eligible for annexation. Okay, thank you. Could you explain the one um, email that we got was back and forth about parcel? Was it E being conveyed or something? Am I? I so by me? I I don't have any knowledge of that. That. The transfer of ownership of parcel, parcel E was never a requirement by the county. Oh. It sounds like it was something that the HOA and Mr. Lockhart negotiated, so outside of the county's process. So we're done. No. So perhaps the petitioner could respond to that. Okay. 
Okay, and we'll leave it alone. Questions for staff? Alan, um, in reviewing the entitlements for parcel for the 10 lot subdivision, mm -hmm. um, was there, as it related to that open space, was there anything in that that defined the uses and dedicated any of the recreational fields as part of that open space? Well, so that so the, the uses of parcels A and B as the soccer fields were. So I, let me just go back and explain the history a little bit more. The original PUD was done in 1997, and that was for the school and then parcel B to the east of it. That was phase one. Phase two was the, the 80 lots and then the rest of everything, including parcels A and B and the soccer fields. Um, and at that point, C and D were still open space. And so then they came back and amended the PUD for C and D only. And so it was that phase two PUD that dictated the uses of parcels A and B as soccer fields. And then the um, parcel G, I think it is, that has the trail along the highway. So it's that PUD that. Which PUD? The, the phase two. So there, there's. Was that the eight? Was that Harris Park? So there's, there were three, three PUDs, basically. Right. So school site, the 10 lot, and then the 80 lot. And, and I have the same question, whether it be the 10 lot, is there anything that defined the uses in the 10 lot? I have the same question for when Heritage Park was entitled PUD, was there anything that dedicated that open space, those uses, define those uses in either of those two PUD entitlement processes? Uh, the which one's the second and the third one? Strictly the strictly the residential, the residential developments. Not not necessarily. Well, maybe I should ask the question also for the school site or the school entitlement. But was there anything in the open space that dedicated to uses like we're being asked tonight in those yes. three yes. entitlement processes? Yes. yes. So Can we better define that. So this is so this is the, the original PUD. This is from 1997. So we've got the, the school lot and then parcel E. And on this PUD plan down here in this tiny type, it says what the uses of parcel E and parcel F are. So then that was phase one. Here is phase two for the, the 80 residential lots, parcel D, parcel C, and A and B. Same thing, you go down here and in this tiny type down here, it says parcel A, athletic fields, outdoor lights, burns, landscape, recreational uses, so on and so forth. And so if I can, that was in essence their community benefit that they offered to get the approval for those PUDs. Correct, correct. And, and then- And that's the PUD that is where the primary 77 residents of Heritage Park in, in this one, correct, correct. And then in 2012, they amended the PUD for only parcel C and parcel D. So parcels A, B, F, everything else is reliant on those previous PUD plans to dictate what uses are allowed. 
And now the current proposal, essentially they're reallocating, they're requesting to reallocate those open spaces. And currently what's being proposed are just open space without. And asking us to try and better define these. Correct. Uh, with all the PEDs that you showed, it looked like on the left side of uh, the Montessori school, there's been a giant parking lot. Whatever, why has that not been developed if that was on the first PED for the school? Uh, it, it has been developed. There, yeah. There's a gravel parking lot there. Oh, there is? There is a gravel parking lot. Okay. And, and that fully has all those spots completely there and then during the school time those have been getting filled up so much to basically clog up i mean i've seen it myself how, how much it gets clogged up at brandon circle over there is, is that still getting utilized by um the money source well so the the traffic issues with pick or pick up and drop off so people come in they circulate they turn in right here and then go through and then turn out so there's not really a chance to utilize this parking lot because it's just a drop off and pick up situation. It's not essentially a parking issue. It's, it's a circulation issue. I, I do have some more questions kind of related to that, but to the BV. Um, is the 24 foot uh, wide right of way, um, would that allow parking on the side um, for, you know, uses kind of like during the school time and that kind of stuff for traffic to get in and out because I believe fire code says you need I think 24 is the minimum that you could have for for a space so is this the bare minimum or is there allowing some kind of uh, parking um, in that uh, new private drive? Clarification for which road you're talking about? Uh, sorry, for the PUD uh, private drive that's uh, that actually with just the, serves the residential. The, the call to sack. Okay. Yes. Um, so that is a detail that will get discussed at preliminary. Okay. So I think that would be an appropriate comment to make to the applicant to make sure that their roadway, the entrances meet fire code and then also takes into consideration all of these other traffic issues that are in place and um because right now we're looking at the big picture thing is it in compliance with the adopted plans and then what are the major issues because they could take the they could if it gets approved they could take your feedback and they could not substantially modify this but they could move the location of the entrance. They could make it wider. They could reconfigure this or that to mitigate some of those concerns that are identified at this stage. So it's really at the next stage that those engineering details and the actual design and how that affects everything is really going to get reviewed and analyzed. And then last one, and it might be kind of the same answer. Um, so it looks like on this new proposal, the uh, parking lot that I was kind of detailing on before, is that getting narrower and they're just uh, putting in a smaller parking lot instead of there, or that is that being added onto from what that existing approval that we would see? Yes. Um, I mean, it certainly looks like it is getting smaller than what is there. 
So I would infringe on parcel A then. Uh, it, it would, yeah. Okay. So there would be uh, parcel A would be part of the, the next subdivision application because of the fact that the configuration of parcel A will be changing. And then at that time, we'll also look at parking requirements and whether what is proposed, I mean, I guess the, the thing about PUDs is that they're built for flexibility. They're not required to have strict compliance with the zoning regulations. In those situations, we would make a comparison to what the zoning regulations would allow just so that y'all can see what the typical requirement is. And then you can make the decision as to what is proposed is acceptable or not. Um, Go ahead, I have one more question. Just, I guess I'm, I need more education on, I can appreciate the undeveloped PUDs and in, 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 in changing that, redesigning. I have trouble with the, with Heritage Park, the 80 homes and that open space that was tied to a rec, you know, recreational fields as their community benefit to get approval. Mm -hmm. um, I developed Red Hawk Village, Stagecoach, 29 single family houses. You know, we had to do, our community benefit was we had to develop uh, trails for Stagecoach. We also had to develop in our open space, a playground. To me, it, it, it resembles, and I want you to correct me on this, if I was going back and trying to make changes to that PUD, Red Hawk, and saying, well, now we want to, you know, the homeowners want to change the and, and develop the open space into single family houses and take away that community benefit. Is there any, you know, is there any uh, analysis like that, that this is really presents a change to a prior PUD um, that now their open space is changing? I, that's that's what this review is. Yeah. I mean, you have the ability to come back and um, amend your PUD. Uh, times change, situations change, uh, all that kind of stuff. It's up to planning commission and the board to determine whether what is proposed still meets the intent of the PUD regulations. And uh, yeah, I could I could see your point of like them saying hey, we're going to give you these soccer fields to get this approval and then coming back and say, well, now we want to change it, take away those soccer fields. So it's certainly a concern that has been expressed by uh, people in Heritage Park and people that live around there. So that is definitely a, an issue that should be discussed and decided upon. So to his point, though, <laughs> My thinking correctly, the parcel B, as it stands today, has du can have duplexes on it. Parcel what? D, I think it is. Parcel D, correct. He can't. Like so it. that's being converted to open space. Right. Okay. And that's the question I think I'm following up to Stephen Wren just for clarification. The PUD that was approved but has not been platted, which I think is the 10 lot PUD. That would include parcels 
I think C and D. Mm -hmm. When that all was done, were parcels A and B still being identified as athletic fields? Yes, because so yes, in 2011 when that one was done. Yeah, because that application only involved parcel C and D. It did not propose any changes to parcels A and B, which had already been approved for athletic fields. As part of the regional heritage park PUD process. Okay. Just a question just for clarification on something you said earlier. Did you say that though that the that the 25% that's required that still applies to the whole acreage of the whole pay for the pay? Yes. Okay. Yes, because the 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 heritage park PUD is 43.1 acres or whatever it is. And so 25% of that is 10.85. And all of the and all of the open spaces that are identified on this map total 10.85 acres. So as it is, their proposal still complies with the, the PUD open space requirement. For the whole for the whole for the whole heritage 43 acre heritage park subdivision. And the question is the uses. The question, can, can this the, is this equivalent mm -hmm. to sure. the, you know, where it was all, you know, there were four fields and there out there now. Right. And they fit in the other side. Right. Or are soccer fields appropriate? I mean, I guess my question to myself is why aren't they being used now? Yeah. Great. Okay. Uh, so for Montessori School Parcel A, um i would assume that they have playgrounds and some kind of active recreation on there is it private is that only like blocked off with the fenced in where people can't play with it other than the montessori school or is that kind of like sleeping giant where some people can come uh, off hours and be able to use that recreation facility so they do have a small playground right to the east in that little triangle piece right there. Um, one of the letters that we received was that it gets maintained during the nine months that school is in session, but as soon as school is out of session, it doesn't get maintained, doesn't get mowed, grass overgrows it, weeds, not just weeds, aren't managed. So I can't answer if that is open to the public. I do know that there is some type of fencing that surrounds that field. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I don't know. Do, do we have uh, Montessori? There's two schools there, right? Is, mm -hmm. is the building, my understanding is Montessori's kindergarten through sixth grade, they entertain going, adding seventh and eighth grade. Do we know um, at what level their occupancy is in trying to understand some of the traffic constraints? Uh, I, I don't know that, no. My son, you know, we did four years of my story, so I understand it, but I, I think that, you know, my understanding, rough understanding is probably there at 75%, something like that in terms of total occupancy. I mean, I, from what I've heard, Montessori rents that building for Mr. Lockhart, so maybe he could answer that question.
percent of carbon fiber emissions. Okay, talking about sixty percent And how much of the other school, the preschool, the preschool, it's a church. That's right. Two private musicians who give private music. Is it fully utilized, fully occupied, in your opinion? Um, Alan, on setbacks, <clears throat> is setback from the foundation or is setback from the E? Uh, from the foundation. From the foundation. We allow a typical two to three foot overhang to extend into the setback, okay. but it's measured to the, the base of the structure. Okay. And then we can't resolve that because we don't know. What the utilities comments are going to be. So never mind. Heritage Park is five foot setbacks, correct? Um Side. I have it on here. Side is side is seven and a half. Front is 25, rear is 25, and then there's a handful of lots that are on the amp of that 35 foot setback in the back. One thing that should be noted. Nancy Stoviak was a commissioner when Heritage Park was permitted, and she went on record stating that no subdivision in the county should be developed with less than 10 foot setbacks. And I remember that because we were developing Red Hawk Village down in Stagecoach, again, 29 single family houses, and requested five foot setbacks, and we received 10 foot setbacks. But they got seven and a half. They and she felt that that was a mistake because after looking at the subdivision and the neighborly conflicts with snow issues and mm -hmm. things of that nature. Well, I believe so staff is probably in minutes way back when staff has made a comment about snow storage that needs to be addressed as well, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Other questions for staff for now or the petitioner? I would just add um, with the space that when you're considering the reallocating the open space that was dedicated to persons uses, um, there are two areas included right now. Uh, one is a retention pond in that open space and the other is along Highway 40, which is uh, wetlands. Um, so just keep that in mind who are um, considering the open space. That do, do we know those sizes? The acres are there. Or is it as expensive? Sorry. Uh, it's all this uh, Alan, we'll provide it. Yeah. Use this one. It's better. Seriously. Oh, okay. It's cleaner. Yeah, there's yeah. one in here. I still can't see that one either. Oh, that's the one. So when you are commenting on the open space, um, just be thinking about um, providing your comments and direction of what you would like to see. But those comments could be changed to make a different view. Okay. So we, you know, <laughs> um, if there are no questions, further questions for the time being for staff, 
for the petitioner, I'd like to open up for public comment. Um, so I'll start with in-person public comment. If I talk loud enough, can I just stand here? Or do you want I prefer okay. if you don't mind. I think the owl likes it better also. <laughs> Good evening. My name is Casey Quillen. I'm a resident in Heritage Park. And I'm here just to urge the commission to consider connectivity issues, um, not just within Heritage Park, but to the broader community as a whole. Um, and you know, the core trail, the West End expansion, the community schools, and the churches that we have on the West End. Um, currently, we, I mean, the, the, the commission has an opportunity, I think, to make sure that if this um, PUD goes forward, pedestrian and bicycle access is accounted for. Um, as you heard from Alan and just the realities of life in Steamboat, we have a lot of kids and active adults that are now dodging traffic, running across I-40 to either access Sleeping Giant access anchor way um, or coming from the steamboat to and silver spur neighborhoods to access the montessori school the church that's in there and the preschool that is in there um, i understand that cdot has a large part to play in this as well but after battling the school district um, during the design and construction of sleeping giant i do think that um, the county can be the voice of reason and make sure that we're not developing neighborhoods and increasing vehicle traffic by 50 plus cars and putting more kids in an area where they have no access to community amenities to connecting trails to their schools and their friends across the highway so that's my comment um, not nothing specific as far as whether that should be a crosswalk with a stoplight or an overpass or an underpass but i do really encourage the commission to consider how this additional these additional homes and heritage park are going to connect with the rest of the community thank you uh next please um hello uh, my name is roger ashley um i'm running heritage park Full disclosure, I am also on the Yampa Valley Housing Authority Board. I'm the past president of the Housing Authority. And I'm also on the Heritage Park HOA Board. However, I'm here tonight just as a representative, not representing any of those organizations, I'm just representing myself. I can ask that you entertain a motion to deny the Heritage Village conceptual DVD. All the parcels in question. As we've, as we've heard tonight, we're included in the original plat of the Heritage Park subdivision PV in 1997. And they're also included in the Heritage Park HOA. So it included five platted soccer fields, which were identified as athletic fields, a top lot and a playground, which are all going to be locked. So children from Heritage Park are going to be crossing the highway. I for you to play at Sleeping Giant School. Then when we look at the, the Heritage Park HOA governing documents that were put in place in 1997, 
there was some very clever language that was inserted so that the owners of all of these parcels would never have to contribute a dime to the AOA. And I mentioned this because in 2020, the HOA contracted to mill and overlay Brandon Circle and Lindsay Drive, incurring a significant expense of close to a quarter million dollars. Work began at the Highway 40 intersection. So owners of all of these parcels, as well as the owner of the school, gained a tremendous benefit from our expenditure. Again, with absolutely no financial contribution. But <clears throat> that asphalt has been laid. So let's move on. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I read the staff report, and I would like to make few comments about the staff report. Some we've already talked about. Um, first, the access to the proposed project is the same as is used to access schools, parking lot, drop off and pick up. That is a tremendous, it's a tremendous problem in, that, in our neighborhood. So keep that in mind. Um, so except during construction, no impacts from noise, odors, or vibration are expected. Well, <clears throat> the construction is at the entrance to our subdivision. So at least one construction season is going to, they're going to be putting in infrastructure, which there will be huge impacts from that. And then for build out, the build out could be, there's, the, the applicant is saying two to three years, it could be easily five to 10 years of additional construction at the, at the entrance to our to our subdivision and impacts on our road, which they stated tonight, they would overlay it. I don't know that if they're going to mill it, but they would overlay it after it's all done. Well, that could be 10 years from now. Keep that in mind. Um, <clears throat> the application, the West Fimo area plan, you know, that's a tough one because the county staff has said that it appears to be a substantial performance. City principal planner, Steamboat Springs, said we've reviewed the subject application for compliance with the jointly adopted Steamboat Springs Area Community Plan and Western Steamboat Springs Area Plan. And concluded <clears throat> that the proposal is not consistent with the intent the policy for the goals of this plan. So that's a huge dichotomy between what the county is saying and what the city is saying. Next thing I'd like to address. Um, proposal is there's more density than smaller setbacks. Let me talk about the density for a minute. The average lot size in Steamboat 2, Silver Spur, and Heritage Park is a half to a third of an acre. In Heritage Village, the proposed proposed uh, flat PUD, the lots are 0.14 acre. So the housing density is going to be two, three times more dense than the surrounding neighborhoods. And that is without the AUDs that they're also proposing. So when, when you put AUPs on 20 of those lots, 
That's going to be an incredibly dense little subdivision. That's going to create an incredible amount of traffic. So one of the objectives of the West Spindler Area Plan was to promote affordable owner-occupied housing. Um, there's nothing, you know, the applicants said this evening that they're willing to put a deed restriction on for Rath County resident for the first buyer. Well, after the first buyer, that goes away. And those houses uh, will become second homes for people who have not for Rath County residents, but for people who want to come here from the front range or from Texas, who knows? Uh, but there's nothing, you know, I would encourage you as you approve this, that you request that there be language on that deed restriction that it is a primary residence, it's a Route County resident, and it is into perpetuity, not just for the first sale. Almost time. Um, snow storage. <clears throat> snow storage is not identified on the, on the site plan. It's staff's opinion that the snow storage may not be adequate. Heritage Park, the 80 residences on Heritage Park, we are required to have snow storage, substantial amount of snow storage in front of all of our property. So the plow comes through, which, by the way, Heritage Park HOA pays for. So who's going to pay for the for plowing this little joint section road here? But we are required to have a huge amount of snow storage. And in some years, even what we have is not enough. So I question where their snow storage is going to be. Are they just going to shove it off into the field there into what, what they're saying is open space, but could be really wetlands? Um, something to consider. CDOT. So CDOT has requested a traffic study, but CDOT has already weighed in and said that, that this will increase traffic by at least 20%. So that's why they wanted, that's why they require a traffic study. 20% more traffic on Brandon Circle is going to be a nightmare. Um, one thing that is not in there <clears throat> is they've talked about that they have a letter of intent to provide water and wastewater service for the Snowbook 2 Metro District. They've said nothing about the uh, letter of intent from YBEA to furnish electric to the site. Uh, there's a lot of, it's my understanding that the substation that furnishes that site may not have the capacity to, to, for additional use. So that would be something that certainly put your comments or whatever. But regardless, from everything that I've looked at, 
and everything that I just said tonight, I would request that you deny conceptual community request. Mr. Ashton, before you sit down, you said in the original PUD, soccer fields and two other things which I missed were required. Um, I remember two, I think, for sure. Oh. A, a top lot and playground. A top lot? Top lot. T O T O T. So. So all three of soccer fields, tight lots, and playground. Right. Okay, thank you. Uh, next, please. Hello, uh, Ryan Schroeder, homeowner of Steamboat uh, Heritage Park. Um, I think we all agree that the west side of Steamboat um, is based around these three subdivisions, Heritage Park, Sourcefer, and uh, Steamboat 2. Uh, currently, uh, to my knowledge, there are zero plans for the Steamboat Springs Transit District to connect any of these developments to the actual city itself. And I would just seriously encourage you guys all to in, uh, include the Steamboat uh, Springs Transit um, when considering adding additional 26 units to this already congested area. Um, I think the Steamboat Springs Transit District needs to connect this before any additional units are included over here. Thank you, sir. Next, please. Hoping Tyler will be in the room. Hello, I'm here. Um, my name is Lee Pearson. I've been a resident in the uh, Park subdivision since 2002, built a home in I live adjacent, um, actually down here at the corner of Lot 33, the corner of this parcel that does have some wetlands and uh, drainage storage there. Um, parcel B has been um, one of the kind of sticking points on any of the PUD applications that took place. Um, and there was an understanding from the homeowners with the filing three application that parcel B would get ultimately dedicated over to the single two metro district. And I do have a letter that also has some uh, support from 2011. There was an email that I directed to Ty in July of 2013, asking him about the transfer. He indicated it was going to happen at the end of the month. And then <laughs> I have files of uh, papers at home, and I just coincidentally grabbed um, a letter that it's undated, but I think it was with filing three initial application. I'd like to point out what we tried to compromise on is that I first wanted to put um, three lots on parcel B, and we ultimately negotiated to put those over on parcel C, and we supported that. Um, and so that was the major change, but I can go back and submit after the fact the copy letter. I don't know if you've got documentation of the initial PUD request, but one of the first points to tie communicated to the homeowners, it says our plan proposes the following. 
donating approximately 1.47 acres, the land immediately adjacent to your subdivision to the Heritage Park Homeowners Association to be used as you see fit, um, park, volleyball court, open space, et cetera. I think part of your oversight with this whole process is that there has to be some consideration for parcel leading. After 25 years, we don't have a real neighborhood park. And as other um, homeowners have mentioned, um, you know, there's going to be motivation for the kids to cross Highway 40 to use the sleeping giant playgrounds and other amenities. Um, Parcel lead is basically an abandoned open space in the summer. Um, we complain annually to the weed control department, cattle path. And so, you know, getting that donated to Extingo 2 was what I thought was a real win-win because we have an entity that has resources to maintain that from utility funds, similar to what they're maintaining within Extingo 2 and, uh, and uh, solar support. So, um, my recommendation is to let's let's come back and address parcel lead and say that has to be part of the solution because if you move forward with this or even with filing three, um, some of those perimeter uh, open space uh, components that comprise the 25%, we don't want kids playing on this. So please factor the safety. I've also got a concern about the traffic echo some of the other comments that they made. Um, I encourage you to read what I provided and welcome back if you wanted uh, a copy of the supplemental document as well. Thank you. Thank you. Next please. Um, so I don't know how to do that because um, I, I can't. Kelly Conway had her hand raised first. So Kelly Conway. Yeah, you want to unmute yourself? Oh. oh, there you go. Hi, everyone. Um, Kelly Conway, thanks for your time. I'm a homeowner in Heritage Park. My address is 40196 Lindsay Drive. And um, I think that there's been some great comments I'm going to echo just briefly. Um, one being that the congestion for our kids crossing Highway 40 has been a problem for a long time, and it will only be exasperated if this subdivision is allowed to go through without a proper traffic study and without an underpass, overpass, or a stoplight going in at that intersection. Our kids are already, you know, risking their lives to cross the street to go play at a park. Um, also mentioned was the lack of open space park area or developed park area that we have in our neighborhood. Um, that will be much worse if the open space is re reallocated to marsh and bogs and ponds. Um, that's not usable to our kids, although they like to go in there and maybe catch some, you know, frogs at times. It's, it's a, not a fair trade for the, for the soccer fields. Um, I will also mention that the reason why the soccer fields are not being maintained, and this is just maybe 
hearsay or knowledge that I've picked up is that the city rents it for $1 a year from Mr. Lockhart and they are responsible for maintaining the sprinkler system, which has now gone defunct and nobody was willing to pay for it. So the city decided to let the lease lapse on the fields. That's why they are unmaintained and unused at this point. Um, so it's unfortunate, but at the same time, it is the open space that's allocated to our subdivision would love for Mr. Lockhart to be able to develop those as he said he would, would love to see the open space that was supposed to be deeded to the subdivision back when, which I'm so glad someone pulled that up because it was in my memory bank. And um, yeah, the basic um, quality of enjoyment and safety of our children is of the utmost importance to me. I know that adding homes to to our community is important, but not in the, not outside of the character of what's already platted, what's already been approved in our subdivision. He's got the potential to be able to develop 10 residences at this point. And I think that that's all that our subdivision can really handle given the two schools down there. I did just submit an application for my son at Heritage Park Preschool, and they do have a waiting list. They had someone camping out for overnight to get a spot there so it's pretty packed um and i guess that's it thank you so much for your time and um appreciate your you know your consideration on um you know the the fact that this will be against our community character it will be a detriment to our children's enjoyment and um i would ask you to please deny this application thank you very much thank you Beth. Um, Rita, has your hand raised? Okay, can you hear me? Yes. All right, well, I would like to agree with uh, several of the homeowners who just spoke. Kelly's uh, comments were very apropos, as were Casey's and uh, Lee's, and the gentleman who spoke second, I don't know his name, but um, I did agree with all of their concerns. We, uh, let me introduce myself. We're the neighbor directly to the east on the fence line of the Heritage Park subdivision. And we've been to all the meetings, almost all the meetings since this whole deal started for the very first PUD. And the understanding of myself and several people, I think everyone who bought into this subdivision was that the open space, the mitigation for the wetlands in parcel D and E were to stay that way as a buffer from the highway and also A and B, the soccer fields were part of what was meant to be a nice neighborhood subdivision, not, a, you know, I think, um, Ty and Eric are being completely disingenuous and greedy in this proposal, and I would hope you would deny it. They are pushing this to the absolute limit. And what the city is saying about the urban density, I agree with the city's comments on that because, you know, there still is not a fire department in West Steamboat. And whether or not the Brown Ranch will get that together, who knows? But one of the Brown Ranch uh, discussions was about soccer fields 
and of course they want to do density there and they've been um, annexed into the city, but they, they are thinking that their soccer fields in Heritage Park and that they won't have to put them on the Brown Ranch. And so, you know, have, has everybody in the county been duped into thinking that these soccer fields are just some ploy to get more, you know, houses built by, uh, <clears throat> you know, away from the original PUD. I feel like, uh, you know, Route County is being duped by Mr. Lockhart and Mr. Smith. And that's really unfortunate. And also these developers extremely irresponsible for in the very beginning, not trying to initiate with several different entities, an overpass or an underpass for the children because there's maverick bike trails just darting across the highway and What's going to happen when somebody's child is killed on that highway? It's going to be from the irresponsibility of these developers. And I am completely opposed to this subdivision, to this replatting of the PUD. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. I don't see anybody else's hand raised. Uh, Brian, would you like to go ahead? Yes, thank you very much. Brian Bainham, uh, resident of Heritage Park. Um, I, I want to thank all of the, uh, the homeowners here, uh, echo and, and support um, all that they've said. The, the only thing that I want to add to it, because I don't, I don't think there's much, I mean, a lot's been touched on and, and, and uh, delved into. Um, but the one thing I want to just throw up, because I haven't heard this yet, is um, this increase in Heritage Village, without taking, um, which I just found out, we weren't told, I don't think, last week about the uh, ADUs, um, was that, you know, just with the 26 planned units, that's going to increase our neighborhood by 32.5%. So we're going to create or increase that little neighborhood that we have, uh, the nice community that we have on the west side by a third. And as has already been stated, they're going to be less desirable houses from the standpoint of square footage and um, and lot size. So I just wanted to make that point that just the actual increase percentage increase of our neighborhood. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. I don't see anybody else's hands raised. Anybody else over Zoom? Hearing none, then I'm going to close the public comment portion of this evening proceedings. Um, Alan, I don't think you know this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Assume I don't know it. Yeah, you know, I, that's right. That's not fair of me, is it? I'm sorry. Well, he was trying, he was trying to save you the embarrassment if you did it. Well, yeah. Thanks. Um, Comment was made earlier about the average lot size. However, the average included, um, thank you. And um, do you happen to know the average lot size of the 80 lots only? Of the 80. 
Walk away with another one. Yes. <laughs> See, I was trying to say that. Yeah. Well, I said I wouldn't expect you would. I just don't know why, but that gets down the green. I can, I can figure it out. Yeah, we might be able to make it kind of close. I mean, so. Um, oh, Mr. Ashton thinks he knows. Yeah. There, um, three and a quarter. No, that's not. I mean, but I, I do see a lot better. Just, I see a lot better. 0.18, 0.19. So the bigger one's 0.47. 0.23, 0.20. I would say mainly in that 0.2 range. What are you looking at, bud? Sure, it's in the tray. Oh man. Okay. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Questions for the active petitioner based on what you're hearing? Um, I can start with some questions. Yes. Can we go back to the uh, slide with uh, questions to be considered by commission? When it, well, the question is, is the proposed density acceptable? Should be higher, should be lower? I'm not a, opposed to the amount of density, I'm just opposed to how it's done. And I'm curious if uh, if the county has regulations for multi-family units or multi-story units in a situation like this, or in, in an application like this. Do we have any requirements? Regulations, I'm sorry, I don't know that one. Are you talking about like design standards? Yeah, it, would it be acceptable for a developer to, to use a similar amount of density over less space? Uh, certainly. Yes. All right. and. Um, When it comes to mobility, it seems like this whole area is shy of mobility. That's one of our favorite goals, isn't it? Yes. And um, that's it. Yeah. Alan, can deed restrictions be in place that actually restrict it to an area? In other words, Rock County? Uh, I Deed restrictions, all manner of deed restrictions. Um, and I'm not, I don't know that it's so almost that is a legal question. That's a legal question. My subdivision has deed restrictions for Brown County. Only. Oh, yeah, but it's run by uh, and uh, looked at by the housing authority. That's, so uh, that's the that's hard different part. Though. That's the who that's different. regulatory. Yeah, right. Yeah, because the county doesn't have the resources to be checking every deed to ensure that it complies <clears> with kind of why I asked the question. any type of restrictions. That right. would have to be managed by an outside entity, most likely the housing authority. And in the past, they, they voted to approve those sort of scenarios. Yeah, but example. then how does that work? The housing authority takes that responsibility over. Yes, that's even correct. for private subdivision. Yeah, they take it over um, um, as a you know as the manager of the deed restriction. Oh, okay. They're in charge of the compliance factor. Right. 
Um, First, oh, a long time. Yeah, okay. Any other questions? We're going to go to roundtable. Um, oh, no, I had one other one. Schmitzer. Um, from a design standpoint, and I guess from a safety standpoint, do we know what value sidewalks really provide, particularly on a private road? I would say from a safety perspective, I would say a very high value because of the fact that there are no sidewalks here, everybody has to walk on the road. And then with the amount of traffic coming in and out, plus the, uh, the backing up of traffic from pickup and drop off, uh, snow storage, there's that those roads can get very busy, very narrow during the winter time. I'm just thinking about the fact that the existing subdivision has not, and has that been an issue? Because I, the county doesn't require sidewalks. Right, right. However, if this were ever to be eligible for annexation, we would want it to be built to city standards. So would you be following and is that the recommendation for the sidewalks of what the city is proposing of what the sidewalk standards are currently or any narrowing of what the sidewalk standards are or anything? I mean, to go back to the comment that Christy just made, if this were ever annexed, we want that those sidewalks to be built to the standard that the city requires. So if sidewalks are required, which staff is suggesting they be, uh, we would also suggest that they be built to six standards. And also the city's comments uh, are referencing um, one of the comments that uh, this development um, should be built to urban, urban fashion. Urban fashion would be the term. <laughs> Question. Yes. Uh, I'm not clear. Where are the soccer fields? Are they on C or D? Uh, they're on A and D. They're on A and D. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, no, question. question. I got it. In terms of the open space, Cal, uh, I had a rough understanding that stormwater drainage areas, snow storage areas, and and uh, jurisdictional wetlands could not go into the Cal. That untrue. Um, it, it's it's not true. Um, it's it's ultimately up to the decision makers to decide what is acceptable, usable open space. And here's an example: if if somebody were to, as an example, part of this application, uh, want to put uh, they're proposing soccer fields or maybe a four trail extension through this property. You may consider that a high value usable space because they're having those types of elements where maybe then you could consider some other open space being wetlands or a retention pond coupled with that. So um, it's ultimately up to you what you would consider what I would post to as a high value um, usable open space if it were a hot park I think we heard or you know um <laughs> uh, that's a weird 
Yeah, Todd Todd Lott. Lott. A Todd Lott. Todd Lott. Lott. Um, <clears throat> well, you know, that was something that is satisfactory to you all, maybe would consider um, some of these other elements that are being proposed. Um, but at this point in time, it is conceptual. And just from a process standpoint, um, you know, now is the time to really, you know, provide your thoughts and direction to the applicants. Um, also know that, you know, there's been some significant issues brought up here, um, but also note that they are looking to do a traffic study. And just because you may recommend approval at this time, is not an automatic at the next phase, if you don't like what comes back in some of those reports and additional information based on tonight's hearing, um, that that's an automatic approval later on. So keep that in mind also. So perhaps um, <clears throat> I'd like to pull the commissioners and maybe take the items for discussion, issues for discussion, kind of one by one. Um, and I'd like to start with can traffic and pedestrian impacts be mitigated? In my head, I, I'm not a traffic engineer, nor am I a highway engineer. And it seems to me that the fact that CDOT's going to weigh in on this, I have a tendency to kind of wait and see what they have to say. But my sense is they're already sensitive to the area and whether there's another 33% pedestrian, more traffic or what have you. It seems to me that, I mean, I think the question, can the traffic and pedestrian impacts be mitigated? I'd wait and see until see what CDOT has to say. No, the traffic study only consider the ins and outs of 40 and be basically only on on that take when that study is going to be made or is it like going to be talking about like will you know the flow of traffic coming into it from school and all that kind of stuff if the road's big enough kind of my concerns of the road size uh would, would that be in that study you can certainly require it i think we want to yeah <laughs> unless i'm speaking yeah i agree i'll i'll comment on traffic component. Um, I agree with you. I think the traffic study is, is paramount. Uh, having experienced Montessori, I also think we should consider those parking needs because I can tell you when they're A, in addition to the pickup and, and or drop off and pickup timeframes with that level of congestion, in addition to anything all school was we were parking all the way down to the west towards towards the ball fields or the soccer fields, for example. Were you parking to wait to me? Is that what you're saying? Park, parking to wait to pick up. Parking for all school events. Oh, for, oh. for events. I'm sorry. Okay. Gotcha. All school meetings of that nature. And so again, I probably wouldn't have an issue with this level of density if the school wasn't right there. And those conflicting traffic issues, um, but as everyone has presented, that traffic issue with Heritage Park subdivision as it stands today, and the school as it stands today, presents enough of a problem, enough of a challenge. Linda, anything else to chime in on that part? Uh, no, I think if I understand correctly traffic study while CDOT may only be looking at 40 
we could require a traffic study that would look at is it Brandon Circle and what would be the proposed uh yes. set? Yes, although I think we're yeah, mixing and matching. I think it's going to uh, clarify the traffic study. Oh, okay. Just for clarification, the traffic study is done not by CDOT. CDOT has to approve everything, but okay. the traffic study is done by private consultants, which would look at not only background traffic on Highway 40, but at all the intersection movements at Brandon Circle and Highway 40, look at the school traffic, existing traffic, and the post office. They look at all of that. And then that's handed over to CDOT for the blessing. Highway 40 plan. Right. CDOT needs to issue an access permit for anything right. that changes access to sensitive road, but they will rely as well on the traffic. But, but by the same token, CDOT will be the ultimate player when it comes to dictating whether or not there should be traffic light, whether it should be crossing guards, whatever it was. Correct. Correct. Crossing 40 with the yes. by the pedestrian right. crossing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So on that issue, yes, that's all I have to question. Jim, you're okay with that? I'm good with that, yeah. That's right on. I've got a couple things along the same lines with the traffic study when it comes in. We've got two problems. We've got uh, all the housing, and that was there originally with all the housing coming in. And just to grab a bit, on the other side of uh, Stanford Spring, we really, really studied hard the XLB lanes, how long they were, how many uh, trucks could enter at the highway, how many cars could enter at the highway from these housing lanes. So uh, somebody brought up a point that we don't have the transit uh, buses out to that area. So, and looking at an excellent diesel lane, what I was looking at is adding a, uh, a transit lane for buses and school buses. I think one of our major problems here is the school. They need to step up to the homeowners and say, yes, we need school buses in place to park them up. So, pull off the highway for that to be part of the open space. So, it's, it's all part of CDOT for the. Uh, Drawing of the transit study. I think, Mr. Smith, it's being suggested that you throw in transit at the same time. I think uh, I agree with everything that's been said. Okay, so we're done with. I think. I think. Was, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was gonna. I don't know if uh, parking and snow storage is kind of synonymous with traffic or if that's going to be a different topic i thought i read in staff that snow storage was going to the, the petitioner would be looking at the steamboat springs specifications when it comes to snow storage so to me the downsizing of that parking lot and that area that could be an easy place to kind of add a more parking that was there and some of my concerns of having that condensed smaller and having that to kind of be able to push off a lot of that snow storage. So for me, not just having a smaller and a bigger parking is one part of it, but then also creating more snow storage in the back of it is another part that I'm concerned about with having that smaller. Well, again, this, this conversation is all part of the input that the petitioner is obviously going to be jotting down and yep. that, and so, that's why I just yeah. want to make it stay. Yep. We done with traffic. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I'm done with traffic. I just want to make a comment that I think we have more of an ability to work with pedestrian impacts inside the subdivision. And we have to overlook that. How do you feel about sidewalks? I think they're really critical and dangerous. As Alan pointed out when he was talking about uh, what, it's, what it's like now, you got you got you got no sidewalks, so they're walking on the road. You get more traffic on the road, you increase the danger. You get a lot of snow, they're really walking on the road. Then you yeah. get more danger. Sidewalks should be kept as well. Even if you're up against the curb. Right, exactly. Come right up to here. And that's where I have kind of two concerns. I would rather not see it against the curb because A, I would want to see the parking being used for during the times of people being able to go in and out. And I feel like when the sidewalk is going to be used, it's going to be during those school times so that that's going to get underutilized and that's going to be basically getting parked on uh, during those times. And then the other thing for me is to keep to the city standards and not to narrow that width. Um, my subdivision uh, conceded to the developer to put smaller sidewalks in and they get so underutilized other than in the wintertime where they're very important, but it's hard to even do anything on them because of that small size. So I would want to see them at city standards at the bare minimum. Do we know what the standards are? I don't know what the standards are. I believe that five foot, I would think. Huh? I'd be five feet. That sounds about right. Yeah, I think typically all set from the road. Yeah. Because when the snow gets plowed, the yeah. snow gets plowed onto the sidewalk and somebody gets hurt. And then I would like to hear your thoughts on locations. I was staff was thinking that along Brandon Circle and then along the new access road as well. Mm -hmm. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. I was thinking yeah. Okay. Both sides of Brandon Circle? Yeah. Well, uh, I'd be open to options. But there has to be good, great connectivity and safety for this. Okay. When you say new access road, you mean the access road to pull the center? Correct. Um, talk about open space just a bit. <clears throat> I'm a little bit, maybe not confused so much, but I want to clear my head. I'm looking at the green map. I'm sorry, the map with the green color, lots of it. I don't know. Uh, patience, I have. Yes. So, parcel B. And is it parcel F2 total about three acres, or am I just, it's a little, you can see it better than I can. 2.58 plus something. So you said, so how plot B, 1.9 acres? No, I'm looking at parcel B, which would be um, west, I'm sorry, east of the school and adjacent to the back, Lots of one, two, three, four, five lots in existing heritage. Oh, that's e. oh it's E? That's E. E. That's so hard to read. Yeah. It's really hard to Sorry. Read. Yep. That's E. So that E a is that. E are the soccer fields. E is 2.18, right? And the next one adjacent to it is point something, point five three, maybe? Yeah, right. That's utilized by the bus. 
Oh, it is. Yeah, I don't think it, it, it has been historic. But is it their right to use it? Heritage it's known by the church for the Christian Heritage Foundation. That was one of my questions. Oh, well, then so ask the question because really, I'm really confused. You know, it's going into the cow, but is, is it dedicated to the school site? F2. F2. Just to the east of the school church site. Oh, I see. Yes, in my mind, the school church site needs to be part of this. You know, that's their only quote unquote open space as it stands today. Or are they going to be part of this open space um, community benefit? They should certainly be involved in the open space discussion because if they have any plans on using that or expanding programming into any of those areas, then that needs to be identified on the PUD so that at this point, so that they don't have to amend the PUD in the future for any uses that they would want to put on that site. And I have had some discussions with the school to, to explain that to them, that they, they need to probably uh, in discussions with Mr. Lockhart, so that if they do plan on expanding, that those uses get identified. Uh, okay. I guess I was going to start by that. I mean, the question is, or what do we think is appropriate in terms of open space uses? And that obviously, based on at least hearing from the public and the neighbors that are there. It would occur to me, or at least seem to me, that that parcel B, and I was putting up two with it, but I guess I can't do that right now, is perfect for playground and call it relatively high activity stuff because it's relatively interior in the subdivision, it is not exposed to a lot of traffic, it's adjacent to, you know, two fixed structures. So generally, and that's to what the school. Sorry? And to the school. And to the school, yes. It's a, that to me makes the most sense there. Parcel D, I don't know what you need for soccer fields. What I don't like about parcel D is it's up against 40, but then again, so are the soccer fields. Um, so whether or not parcel D can be burned and or screened, and then the balance of it used for a more space needed and activity. I don't think so. I thought the tension pond is at the south end, west end, at the back end, I think, right? I, think. I was going to suggest, uh, I know a lot, like Sunlight, for example, do with their detention ponds, uh, dog parks and stuff like that. Sure. It seems like it's pretty nice. And then you've got some additional open space, and whether or not that too can be a park. Um, I'm looking at what's, I guess it's outlaw A, <clears throat> but again, some of that outlaw A is adjacent to 40, so we want to be a little bit careful, but there's still a fair amount of space there that I think can be utilized. I mean, I guess, in my opinion, and we'll, I'm just starting this and everybody else can chime in on their own thoughts. The fact that he's, we're meeting the open, the developer potentially is meeting the open space requirements for the entire development, not just these lots, strictly being sufficient. 
unless I'm missing something, would be sufficient. Unless I'm missing something. I I would just like to remind you that the zoning regulations for the open space, it does say, um, shall be devoted to open air recreation or other usable open space. Alan, was there, I, I swear when we were doing the teeny houses in Milner that there is like percentage bases for like active recreation and stuff like that in that PV that they were, we were like, no. I mean, in that one, they had the, the gazebo that was with the basketball court. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, like the, the other area in the, in the that could be used for maintenance or. Okay. I just thought there was supposed to be a percentage base for active for some reason. So, there's no, there's no. so I suppose <clears throat> what you're politely trying to tell me is that. When I start discussing berms along 40, that I'm <laughs> diminishing the amount of active recreation space. Uh, I mean, I think pretty much that's what you're saying. I think you could go back to Chris's comment about the high value space. Right. Like you could place a higher value on a certain area that would offset the a berm that may not be entirely useful. But then one thing to think about if you're proposing soccer fields or athletic field is where is everybody going to park that would be utilizing that field for a tournament raising or, yeah. or something like that um so yeah yeah so now that i recall that I, <clears throat> we were parking in the grass there open space talent yeah oh geez for me the entire conceptual plan hinges on the open space. Um, as you noted, this is not just open space for Heritage Village, this is open space for two residential developments in addition to a school church development. Um, I don't agree and we're asked, the commission is asked to define the uses. I personally think that the petitioner should be coming up with a plan for the open space sure. that meets the need of the community. Because my perception is the open space is, it assists with their uh, fulfillment of their of this PV permit. And so I would push that the petitioner goes back to the communities that have already um, been permitted based on open space understandings in addition to this permit that we see before us and get buy-in from the community. Um, that includes landscaping, that includes recreational benefits, um, and, you know, lighting, parking, things of that nature in order to, to get this community benefit in open space as part of this application. So I think your comments are really <laughs> important and appropriate. I agree. I'd like to add to that. Yeah. I agree with everything Ren said, and I think that um, you know, petitioner has an awesome uh, consultant. The, between the two of them, they can come up with some great ideas. And I think, I think with whatever, whatever we've seen today, an exchange of open space has to come with higher and better use than what is currently being offered. Does that make sense? Yes. Like, 
Totally. Which yep. diminish the active recreation that was there. You're not going to total it up. So yeah, there needs to be something that's even more attainable, that's more beneficial in the smaller area. We agree. I think Ren put it pretty good. Yep. Ren put it perfectly. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and before we have uh, we've traded open spaces in different areas if there's access to another open space to see that CDOT kind of and what Greg was talking about, the overpass the underpass, likely the only rivers in Stanford. If we have access to the school baseball park, football field, another park over there, trading in lieu of or Something of that sort, but it, absolutely right. Got it. It's not. Well, I, 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 yeah, I, I, unless I'm, I don't think I'm speaking. Uh, consensus is why don't we just let the experts tell us what they really think makes the most sense? Right. Well, that's exactly right. Yeah. It's not our job. It's not our job. It's not our job. We've got to come back. Then it eliminates my question because I could never how many feet do you need for a soccer team? Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering about the commission bond opportunity. Well, we're going to get to that because that's the last one on the list. It's um, I'm really excited. <laughs> <laughs> My personal opinion at this point in time, I have a tendency to maybe leave it. And the, the reason is this. I looked at some of these developments that have, and this is kind of close, but not quite, right? Not quite. Where they built around a square and all of the houses that and these are recommended no insist they all got to have front porches it develops a sense of community and i kind of like that that's what's being proposed here i'm anxious i would be anxious to see a couple things one obviously the traffic study done two i want to see what the the, the uh, open space guy comes up with then maybe i'll focus more so on the density I don't know. The density doesn't bother me too much at this point. What about the setbacks? Because I'm like, for me, the 10 foot front is really kind of close to the road. Well, actually, it's going to be five foot off of what exists already. Five foot off the, off, off the size. The front is 10 feet. Except that the garages are on the back. No? No, no, no. No, 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 but I thought the garages were all weird. Garages. They're not. It's just required. So instead of the garage being closest to the road, yes. the house is closest to the road. Oh. The garage is still access to the front. Gotcha. And then I think another thing that needs to be taken into consideration is if there are sidewalks or the setbacks, and the sidewalk is on the lots, right. then all of a sudden now you, and there's a planting strip that between the road and the sidewalk. What's left? And yeah, yeah is, is it 10 right. setback adequate? Or does the lot need to go to that, like in sunlight, go to the edge of the sidewalk, and then the sidewalk and the planting strip are on common area next to the road. So the setback in sunlight actually starts on the edge of the sidewalk, not the road. Um, I don't have a problem with the density. Again, I have a problem with what's being proposed. This is an urban development in the county. 
Right. As Doug Monger once said, I hope I never have to do another high density subdivision in the county. We are we are having to look at this because of you know what's happened at Brown Ranch, etc. Right. Hasn't right. happened, I should say. So <clears throat> we're not good at this, right? We don't have a ton of experience with high density in the county. Again, I would go back to the petitioner and say, I think this plan needs more detail. Well, I was just going to say the same thing. I mean, for example, let me see the layouts first. You know, a lot of PUDs come with certain model types, limitations on model types. You have to develop, I go back, Red Hawk Village, we had four different model types. But in the county, the planning commission and the county commissioner were able to see the feel of that subdivision. I think this level of density, density is also going to need that level of urban design to allow us to see exactly what they're proposing to us and us permitting. So maybe five foot setbacks on the sides can work, but right now we don't have anything tangible really to better understand what those houses look like. So again, I would say architectural guidelines, some sort of under giving us understanding of what our subdivision is gonna look at when they're asking us for this level of density. Yeah, I think covenants would be a big thing with the architectural, right? Because especially like with roofs and that kind of stuff these days, it, you know, that roof slide with five foot, that's going to be a huge thing, even though they need to mitigate it or else it'd be a snow trespass. But still, you know, you don't want to set people up for failure or anything. And that's why those art guidelines are going to be kind of huge when it's coming to such little setbacks. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we all picturing some of these new urban developments in Denver that we've driven through. Like, you know, that's attractive. Mm -hmm. We need some of that information. To well, that's why I made the comment about the porches around the courtyard, or at least I do. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And Steve, I would just throw in because you would expect me to. I I like the deed restriction. Oh, yes. But I think the covenant should. Be very express because a Route County resident should not be renting their home as a short term rental. So, no short term rentals should be. I have a with that. It's only that this is a PUD. All uses have to be identified on the PUD plans, and short term rentals are not identified. They would not be Sounds reasonable, right? Still over but, in the crowd. But I'm just going to suggest the buyer doesn't read about PUDs. Put it in the covenant. That's just my recommendation. Well, it's illegal anyway. Yeah, but guess what? It happens. Put it in the covenant, and it's a lot easier to make the realtors in town stop trying to sell the property. Actually, as, oh, you can use actually, this as a short term rental. Linda, my experience is <laughs> it isn't the realtors so much. It's now the HOA's got to enforce it. Yes, sure. that's true too. And that's why yeah. I suggest just it helps. I like deed restricted or whole purposes to make workforce housing, but let's not make workforce housing for somebody who wants to live here six months out of the year, primary residence, and then rent the other six months as a short-term rental on Airbnb. That's what I'll be looking for. Another further comment. We can also entertain number of units deed restricted, for example. Again, community benefit, maybe the petitioner want to look at and say, Certain units are deed restricted for certain AMI adjusted median income, for example. Again, so 
I think there can be some creative solutions. Um, I just we just haven't seen it. Yet. Good. And or, as I understand it, we're supposed to be giving suggestions to the developer. That's correct. Yes. One more comment for uh, ADUs and density. We can limit the size of what a secondary unit is with this EUV process as well. So if we are concerned with, uh, you know, providing too much traffic or uh, that kind of stuff, limiting the size of it, especially since this is a hot topic of uh, the secondary units growing for the county potentially and that kind of stuff. This we do have a say right now to say, well, because of this kind of more urban setting, why don't we set a limit to it? And I wanted to see what people thought of that for density purposes. You know, I'll talk too much tonight, but we're going to see a lot of deed restricted houses, apartments all coming online. I, I you know, I, I, I think there can be some ideas that the petitioner brings that enhances the community side of this of this project. Um, I would not be a proponent for de-restricting the entire subdivision with some sort of uh, adjusted median income limitation. If the petitioner wants to offer something, that's a different story. But things like route county residency requirements, those can be attractive. But again, I, I don't think it's for us to define. I think it's for us to analyze and review. Yeah, and review. So I think um, I can summarize, or are you comfortable with what you've already heard? Well, there you go. So then at this point in time, keep in mind that this is merely a recommendation that would provide the opportunity for the petitioner to move forward to the BCT. So we're having that thought in your head, and do we have to add the sidewalk? He's got, I think, all of the notes and all the discussion are part of this. Okay, so we're done with that. Sorry, that. That was my question to Alan. So, so the, the additional items that I've heard that should be addressed are maybe a parking plan for the, for the school, uh, snow storage. Uh, so the, the way the condition currently reads Uh, snow storage areas for the roadway utilizing the or uh, the preliminary plans will include the following detailed information snow storage areas for the roadway utilizing the city of Steamboat Spring standards. Um, I think it's clear that it's for the proposed roadway and for Brandon Circle. I think that a so I'm looking at condition number five. I'll go ahead and share my screen. Number five. And so I think that a parking plan should be added to that. Uh, other things that I heard were architectural guidelines uh, and putting SDU restriction in the covenants. So I think- STR restriction. What did I say, I'm sorry. SDU. Yeah, SDU. SDR restriction on the covenants. So there is uh, condition number eight that addresses the items that need to be in the covenants.
department. So if you would like to add a short-term rental restriction to uh, condition approval number eight, adding the parking plan to number five, and then architectural guidelines to number five as well. Yep. I mean, you kind of got close to almost saying it could be effective, but it's okay. Commissioners, where would you like to go? Does this come back to us? Do you have one? Uh, it comes back in final plot. Only the final plot. Final well, well, So at this point in time, the decision is uh, I'm looking for either a recommendation or something in terms of allowing the petitioner to move forward. Remember, this is for a recommendation to the BCC. Was there was nothing said about sidewalk mobility or parking yep. or recreational open space? Uh, you could certainly add that to condition number five. Wouldn't that be kind of included in the open space engineer or concept? I'm looking for a motion. So, which way do y'all want to go? And keeping in mind, this is a recommendation or not to allow the petitioner to move forward to the BCC. And it's just a recommendation that could be good. Although we discussed, I think. So is that a motion? I, I, I move to approve PL 2022-0038. Oh, that's the wrong one. Fact number one, I think you meant to say. Thank you. In the condition through eight, as amended by Al. So that was five would include a parking plan for the school and recreational amenities. Yes. Um, architectural guidelines, and then adding a STR restriction to the covenants. That are listed in condition number eight. Yep. Uh, there, is that it's in there. It's in there already. Might there be a second? Also, okay. thank you, Bill. Discussion on the motion. Hearing none. All those in favor? I'm sorry. Where's the open space uh, in the conditions? Just be, clarity uh, in terms of. What we're asking for the open space plan 5F. 5F. Plan showing land to be dedicated as open space in conformance, blah, 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 of the zone. Uses of open space shall be identified. We call that a plan, I think. Yeah. Um, although, let's see. 
Yeah. All those in favor of the motion by Commissioner Weiss? Say aye. Say aye, please. Aye. aye. Opposed? Say no. Chair votes yes. The petitioner may move forward to the BCC. But the petitioner has a lot of work to do. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Next item on the agenda, I need two minutes. Watch this. Yeah. That's kind of what's going on here because I got paid inside and outside. Yeah, it's off the That's exactly. 
Okay, we're back here. Um, Alan informs me that the petitioner really doesn't actually need to be here. I don't think you can't. Do he need to be here? No. They're all on Thursday. Oh, perfect. I misunderstood. I forgot about the Zoom bar. I'm looking always here. Well, I'm in the, 
Uh, the next item agenda, D&D Recycling, PL 20220003, special use permit for recycling station in the industrial zone district. Um, Alan, we're gonna start with you. Staff report first, please. Yeah, so we are here to consider a special use permit for D&D Enterprises. Uh, since this is a special use permit planning commission, we'll be making a recommendation to 40 county commissioners who has the final decision. Uh, and the goal of the hearing is to determine if this use is appropriate for this site. And the staff recommendation is to approve with the conditions that are in the staff report. So a brief history of the site. So in the 50s and 60s, this site was part of a gravel pit operation that took place on the hard rock open space to the east of it. In 1990, it was rezoned from agriculture forestry to industrial. In 1991, a site plan review was approved for an electrical contractor's warehouse, shop, and office, but that was never acted upon. In 2006, the site started to be used for the current recycling operation, but no approvals were ever obtained for this use. In 2020, a prospective buyer contacted the county to see if all required approvals were in place for this operation. That's when the county staff realized that no, they were not. And so a notice of violation was issued uh, for operating a recycling station in the industrial zone district without a special use permit. So, the explanation of the vicinity of the area. So this is west of Steamboat 2 uh, to the west of it and immediately adjacent is the Duckholz Hogue Gravel Pit. Uh, to the east of it is the Steamboat 2 Hard Rock Open Space. Uh, to the south of it is the Yamper River and to the north is Highway 40 and the railroad tracks. Now we'd like to Note that there are XL and D-cell lanes on Highway 40 that serve both this use and the, uh, the gravel pit to the west. So the access for this site is off of Highway 40 and it's shared with Steamboat 2 Metro Districts. Steamboat 2 also, in addition to it being an open space on the eastern end of that property, they do have a and storage building that they utilize for their day-to-day -day operations. Uh, the, the access road coming off of 40 does cross over the railroad tracks. And so since this is a long, narrow site that runs north and south, the access road for the site runs north-south through the central portion of the site. When you first get on the site to your right, there is an office and a public metal drop-off area. Uh, next would be tractor trailer storage on both sides of the road. And then there's a shipping container structure and an office. Both of these were destroyed in a windstorm that occurred earlier this spring and both are in the process of being removed. And then further south on the site are scrap metal piles, more trailers and miscellaneous storage areas. And so here are some pictures of the site. The one in the bottom left is the, is the office and the uh, public metal drop-off. 
And then the one on the upper right is walking further through the site with the tractor trailer storage area on the right. And then the one in the upper left and the bottom right are just some of the scrap metal storage piles. So a brief description of the operation. So this is a recycling operation that uh, recycles or accepts scrap metal, household metals, which includes appliances and other metals, batteries, tires, and used oil and other vehicle fluids. This site is used as a storage, processing, and off-site transport of scrap metal. They do not actually recycle anything here. It's just basically a transfer station. Hours of operation for public drop-off are 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. On-site operations occur from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. And they are proposing to improve uh, site drainage by directing drainage to a proposed retention pond in the southwest corner of the site. Uh, we did get comments from CDOC who stated that uh, they do not have an access permit. <coughs> the applicant does not believe that a permit is needed because those XL and DCL names are in place and the applicant will have to work with CDOT to resolve this, this issue. So just some comments on the different uses that take place there uh, in specifically in, re in relation to registration for, for the operator. Uh, scrap metal recyclers are exempt from state recycling regulations, so there's no registration required for that. Uh, for batteries, they are considered a small quantity handler of universal waste, and universal waste includes other things besides batteries, but they are allowed to store up to 5,000 kilo kilograms of that material on site. Um, they are considered a waste tire generator, but they don't have to register as long as there are uh, less than 1,500 tires on site or no more than 500 tires stored outside. They are considered a used oil generator, but no registration is required because their storage capacity is less than 660 gallons. And I would like to note that since this operation has been in existence, the planning department does not have any complaints about it. If we did, we probably would have caught this a lot sooner. Than that. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, is all these uses that are being proposed actively being? Yes, yes they are already taking place. And so the issues for discussion include is the storage of these recyclables a concern given its proximity to the Amber River? And should additional mitigation measures be required to mitigate any potential impacts? And then this is a highly visible site. As you drive down the highway, you can see all of the items that are stored there, the scrap metal piles in the, the back of the site. And staff wants to know if uh, the visual impacts need to be mitigated. Um, <clears throat> do you know, Alan, or does the petitioner know, when it comes to the recycled oil, my sense is he's burning it in a, for heat. Is he using it all? Do you know? Uh, or can I ask him? Address this? Yeah. Yeah, we are using it all for heat. For heat. 
So, I mean, in, in effect, so what's happening is you're really just collecting oil for your own heating purposes. Would that be a fair statement? That is correct. Okay. And then do we have any details on the detention? It's a retention or is it detail? Well, it's both. In other words, what I'm asking is, are we supposed to line this? Is it a clay-based um, detention pond? I don't think that what was submitted goes into those details. Uh, Rebecca, do you have any comments on that? No problem, Alan. Um, we have not finalized a complete design for that stormwater basin yet and are open to conversation and discussion. However, the intent at this point in time would not to would not be to line it to have it act as a stormwater basin for um, sedimentation and minor filtration. The only reason I asked the question that was this not formally a gravel pit too or not? So the site so was the site not was this site also formally a gravel pit? Yeah. Why? So my issues always are exfiltration. Right. Follow me? So you've got a retention pond, and if it's built in the sand and gravel deposit, it goes right to the river. That's where I'm coming from. And maybe I'm misunderstanding something, but that would be the concern I would have. I mean, I, I don't have a problem with it being proximate in proximity to the end, but you've got to take precautions so that you don't have an exfiltration problem. Because you're going to have surface oils, and that's all going to go there. And the good news is they float. But... Rebecca, have y'all done uh, soil studies to see what the soil types are and what their permeability is to determine whether it needs to be lined or not? No, we have not made that type of progress yet on the design. My suggestion is that we should require that. Some type of a condition that ensures that the likelihood of exfiltration from the retention pond either eliminated or minimized and baseline considering you're starting to brush you yeah yeah i mean if, if it were all clay it'd be a different animal that that if i may that is a standard practice for design for the final design so i don't think there would be any issue with um agreeing to that Any other comments on, um, well, I guess I just started a discussion to get things moving on the proximity to the app. I don't have a problem with it. Again, I would, I would propose to see some sort of soil tests on that south end to verify that a problem doesn't exist in addition to the design for this. Right. I same, think that's all part of part the same test is one of the basis for mitigation right. protection. So, are you suggesting a soil test for like organic three, three or four different locations on the site to determine if there's any contamination or what? What are you looking for? I, I would, yes, I would like to see on the south end closest to the Yampa, that there 
has been no intrusion of any sort of petroleum product. Okay. I think we owe that to the public in light of that this has not been a permitted. And then I, I think that's also that's part parcel of the design of the retention basin. So I wouldn't necessarily say that it, 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 part of the design of the retention basin that they automatically, in addition, we're making it up. Yeah, we are soil. Yeah. soil so, with that, I would point, say two separate special conditions one is the soil test near the AMPA, the other is for the retention pot for yeah. where they plan to put it. Done. And then just if there is found any, then having mitigated, like, what, what if they do find that there has been. You know, contamination into the yeah. water. Yeah. Well, then they'd have to come back with an yeah. addition. Yeah. Okay. But we'll deal with that one. We're happy. Yeah. I have a concern about uh, when this use is terminated, that there be some insurance of proper reclamation, such as posting a bond. What do we do with the gravel industry, Alan? Uh, the state has reclamation bond. We, we the, the county says the state has bonding for gravel pits. The county does not require bonding. Um, so I, that could be a reasonable condition to require a bond for reclamation upon the cessation of operations. Jim, are you really into reclamation or are you into what I would call a phase one? Evaluation of the property. Well, I guess well, I, I'm calling reclamation because I mean, suppose they just quit using this for this purpose five years, ten years from now. They sell it to whoever, they go away, whoever takes another five or ten years while they figure out what they're going to do with it. In the meantime, we're all looking at a final junk record. Okay, I just wanted to understand. Yeah. So I characterize it as reclamation. Right. It's more of a cleanup, so to speak. Exactly, yeah. I'm not saying you have to level it, right. replant it, and right. that sort of thing, but it, but but it's got to be left in some some respectable condition, which is generally falls into the category of equipment. Can you craft something along those lines, Alan? I would think Alan, we could do that. Sorry, one. I was crafting other conditions. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Could you craft conditions for a? Reclamation or a cleanup at what at whatever point the termination of this use comes about, and maybe you can do that in conjunction with the state. Well, oh, the state doesn't require the state no, they don't, but they, they, they've got other reclamation requirements. Um, I'm just saying that, they could be a resource to help you do it. That's all I'm saying. Uh, okay, yeah, I'm just okay. suggesting it as a resource. Yeah. They don't get involved other than as a resource. Would that be mostly just kind of dealing with the detention pond area? No, the whole, the whole site. I mean, you saw the photographs, there's a bunch of stuff sitting up there. They started without tolerance, they may stop it without tolerance. <laughs> um, just, to, just out of curiosity, when When the milling operation left 
um, the east side of, no, the west side of the bridge, James Brown Bridge, the guy that was there. Were there obligations for him to clean up? Uh, yeah, Bond, Joe Bond, head up. There's a log milling. Yeah, I said that milling operation. Yeah, sorry, log milling. I'm just trying to figure out what's been done in the past and how it was done. Inside city limits? Sorry? Yeah. Was that inside yes. city limits? Yes. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> when was this? Oh, within the last three years. Four? Yeah. And you wouldn't know because it's not county. I'm sorry. But I just trying to think of. It's such all organics. There's a lot of sawdust left. Yeah. I walked through there. I'm just trying to be reasonable in what we want to expect and what makes some sense. I mean, I totally agree with Jim that in the event of a sale or discontinued operation, I don't think the county's interested in having a lot of leftover scrap time. Right. That's kind of where you're coming from. That's right, Bill. Exactly right. So I'm trying to think of other operations in the county. If there are any. I mean, so that so submitting a bond makes it makes that difficult because I mean the cost to clean up a five foot tall pile versus a forty foot tall pile is going to be completely different. And if you're going to require them to post a bond and keep a bond active with the county, there needs to be some kind of rational nexus between the cost that is being required and what it actually is going to take to clean it up. So um, I personally don't feel comfortable just crafting a condition like that on the fly without doing some research to see what would be reasonable. Oh, I agree. So Absolutely. What, sure. what we could do is, you know, hearing some of your suggestions, if you trusted staff to research this information, we could present options to the PCC uh, based on your guidance. Based on the performance and the history of the staff in this county, I'm totally comfortable with that. <laughs> Me too. That's exactly right. That's it. You guys should do that. And Alan's right. There's got to be some basis of criteria to establish the proper amount of a bond that has to be maintained. Yeah. See, the rec bonds in the mining industry are pretty simple and straightforward. Yeah. What's it going to cost to put my slope back in and life goes on? It's dirt moving. Right. And it's calculable. Right. Yeah. And this, in some measure, is close to that. But instead of moving dirt, you might be picking up a bunch of metal and hollow out so far. So batteries. So I don't think it'd be that difficult to calculate, but you're right. You guys need to get some researchers and see what somebody else in some other county or some other state does. And yeah. then you got to base it. So I would totally agree that we defer that to staff. Okay. All right. <clears throat> and perhaps the petitioner actually has some experience and knowledge firsthand. Absolutely. No, I invite the petitioner to come forward with any thoughts or suggestions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This will definitely involve discussions with, with the applicants, uh, I mean, because we all want to be on the same page. Exactly. Right. So, I mean, 
a communication form for the board would have to go out next Tuesday. Let's see. This Ooh, is wow. a tight. We might just have to take back. I was just say, do you want to? Well, or make it a condition to be satisfied within some defined time frame. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. We'll we'll definitely come up with a condition okay. to address this prior. To and this discussion will be included in the minutes. Right, Sarah? So, yeah, so the BCC will sign as well. Monday. Monday. <laughs> why so quick? What's that? Why so quick? Why so quick? Usually she gets them. No, 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 no. Why so quick? Turn on the board. It's off. To keep things a little off. There we go. That's an answer. It's a good approach, usually. Are any of these other things? Um, and then the, the other item, I'd like to open up for discussion on the visual effects thing. I don't, anybody have an opinion? I think staff kind of presented it well where we've done this for other, uh, for the trash bins and uh, I forget whose story I think is this high or something in the county. And we said that we've had to have mitigations for that off of 40. This seems like the almost exact same type of thing to With one exception, it's an extremely narrow piece of property. But on the other hand, that makes it easier to make. Well, but the problem is I see it. I don't think you're seeing it from a head on Route 40. I think what you see is if you're westbound, you're seeing across the parking lot of the pond. I drive by there all the time. And so what do you see? I see a great, awesome business recycling metal. And it's a mess. Yeah, Absolutely. It's a mess. And I'm just like, damn, yeah. it's a mess. But you know what? I'm really glad they're doing that. Yeah. That being said, they do have some really nice space up front where you can just put some mild screening. Right. That's not that's not a heavy yeah. impact and it's still going to be appropriate for the public to not have to look at um, uh, uh, their, their operations. Thanks. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so do you think it, that front is going to be enough or do you think the yeah. side is no, something that makes side. Side. No, side. Side. Yeah, you side. Yeah, side. And that's what's straight down. down. Yeah. I mean, you can't really see it from the side when you look straight down. Because it's very interesting to look at for me. That fire engine and all that good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Have you used it? Fire engine? So, what's your pleasure, folks? But we should require some visual mitigation. Yeah, that's right. Okay. It's like number. I think staff point. should be charged with the responsibility of working it out with the petitioner. And that is how it's worked. For conditioner. And what are some examples? Number 24. 24. Um, I would say uh, some type of screen on the left hand side or on the. That'd be the east side, side of the property. Yeah. I guess the hard rock open space. Um, I mean, what's your thoughts on limiting stockpile heights? I'd like to hear from the petition on that. I mean, I don't know how tall you can stack. 
Yeah. Uh, good evening. My name is Brent Starnes. I'm an attorney for the petitioner. Uh, we've talked with Alan and um, throughout this process, and, and we're open to a number of different screening uh, processes, whether it's uh, physical screening or pile heights or increasing the berm. Um, I think as some of the comments have made when you're heading east and west on 40, um, you know, the actual operations and piles are on the back part of the um, three acres there and they have the front parking lot. So I think, like you said, it's a narrow property and, and some uh, screening at the front would really, uh, our other mitigation, uh, visual mitigations could, could uh, satisfy that. And uh, through talking with the planning department, uh, I think the condition is, is to continue to hash those out. Uh, and, and those have all been options that are floating around. So, Alan, that's the way this is written, with the exception of the pile height right now, screening could be actually hammered up between you and the petitioner. Exactly so. And so I'm back to the petitioner for a minute. Typically, do you have, uh, you don't, uh, do you have stacking equipment that allows you to stack the metal or are you just stacking with a crane? Or, know, we're trying to figure out Typically, how high do you like to have it and what's practical? And then from our standpoint, what could you live with? So that's three questions all at one time, I think. We typically stack We typically stack with a material handler, so it's a crane. Okay. And uh, in the past, you know, we've been stacking them about 45 feet or so is what we stack it up to keep everything consolidated to one, one corner of the back. And what was the third part of that question? How how high can you live with is the oh. third part? Did I hear you say 40? Yeah, 30 by 40 feet. We don't measure it. It's just whatever the crane can reach and, and stack it with is typically what we do, you know? Can you live with anything less than 40 feet? We could, yes. Can we say something like the visual impact of the piles to be mitigated by the you know, by the front fence or whatever they're using for the visual mitigation in the front? Because really what I'm thinking is that I can see those piles when I'm driving by, but when I'm looking at it, you know, it's still we're talking about ridgeline effect. Right. And and I think that the mitigation of that 40, 45 feet can be done in the front. The only thing with that is if they do mitigation with like trees and trees grow, will that grow the pile? Well, or even they just bought a new crane. You know, they they yeah. super right. successful. Right. They, right. they found a they found a truck full of gold. They're, they're gonna I, I think conveyors. I think again, I think we should probably be on staff because we're gonna sit here forever trying to figure out what the appropriate height is. And I'm not sure that makes a lot of sense for us because right. we can't sit. No, we can't do that. So Alan, the ball is back in your court. We think. And the petitioners agreed that perhaps the stockpiles can be limited in height. That height is to be determined by you and them. Okay. And could I just throw in there, Alan? As the lawyer? No, not the lawyer part, <laughs> fly fisherman. Oh. <laughs> there is the hard rock public access. Right. And so to the extent that visual impact could be mitigated for the public, because it's public access right. at hard rock, if that could 
be taken into consideration, whether that be height of the stack or wrap the fence a little bit around where the hard rock public access is, um, because that is the public part. Well, I think we're talking about squeezing that side. So currently there is a four foot tall curb that southern portion yeah. that separates it. So most of the stuff that is, is back there is well screen, you can see the top of some of the things and then obviously the, the stock pile. And that's what I mean is if they could just keep that pile low, that'd be good. Okay. All right. Yep. Any of the other conditions that we need to deal with? I don't think so. Um Oh, I think I missed something, you know, just for my own education. On page five in the staff comments, the applicant, the very last sentence of the very first paragraph. The applicant addressed these concerns in their follow-up narrative, which satisfied the fire department. I, I don't know that I read that, but I'm just trying to figure out what it was. Maybe off the top of your head, you remember. I don't. That's regarding the waste time. Yes, actually. Yeah. So I, uh, their the response is in the staff report. Our response was not included in the staff report. I'm sorry. I didn't think. So. I mean, I saw. Applicant will handle waste charges as required by the certificate of registration and CDPAG regulations, blah, 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 blah. But that wasn't the fire department. I didn't think. So the fire department is satisfied with the tires. That's what I was just curious what that meant. Yeah. Okay. Hmm? Yeah, you can get back to me so we um, I, I think I can address the, that the fire department. Okay. They uh, they had concerns on on tire storage and uh, space between storage pile and pile pile limit as under the International Fire Code, um, and as a uh, small capacity generator, um, the the storage size of the piles won't even uh, hit the baseline numbers to be covered by the fire code. Um, but we have agreed with the fire department, we can provide that adequate uh, spacing between any piles as, as necessary. Okay. So it's like spread about.
Um, are there any comments or questions from the public that could open up just uh, hearing and seeing, hearing and seeing none, I guess. I'm gonna close the public comment portion. Alan has put on the screen for our benefit. Um, those in effect be 27, 28, and 29. We'll look to ensure that stormwater does not exfiltrate directly. Dry water. Then a soil test, see if there has been any contamination. And then the bond condition is to be addressed. Right. So are we getting, those are actually there was conditions, I think, right? What about this issue of limiting limiting the height and visibility? Is that already that's that's up to Alan. That was good. we were good with that. Screening plan. That's good with 24. Okay. All right. And then we're good. So at this point in time, unless there are additional questions and or comments from the commissioners, we have three additional conditions, which I'm guessing will be now 27, 28, and 29. Chair, the motion. Chair, rule. Uh, I would move uh, approval of uh, activity. Recommended. 2022-0003 as amended to include conditions 27, 28, and 29. We have a recommendation. It might there be a second. There is a second. Paul, thank you. Yeah. Discussion on the motion. Finding second number one, I think you said. Did you not say that? Finding second, yeah. Right. Hearing none on the discussion, all those in favor of the motion to recommend to the BCC. We signify by saying yes. 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 Opposed, say no. Chair votes yes. Petitions approved. With conditions added. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Christy, you're on. Our next meeting is the joint meeting of the board of commissioners hearing on the draft master plan. Um, so the, the date is uh, fourth. Fourth. Yep. So it's Thursday night. And um, public comment is open until tomorrow. Written uh, comments. Um, however, people have more opportunities to be heard during the public hearings moving forward. So um, after the fourth. We scheduled an adoption hearing for planning commission only on Thursday, um, August 18th. And that will be for you all to decide to 
uh, the the actually not the draft plan, but the master plan. Master plan. And then there'll be a separate meeting after that with the Board of County Commissioners on August 30th for ratification of the plan. Based on why do you call it ratification as just plan approval? Well, you guys well, the state is the state statute. So, so they basically agree with you. Mm -hmm. Sure. And, uh, so, question. So, we got August fourth is joint. Yeah. Next one is the eighteenth. Eighteenth, and, and that is. And that's just for adoption okay. of the master plan. That's planning commission only. What's that? That's planning commission only. Correct. It's not a joint. Because then, in fact, what we've done, we've adopted it. Yeah. Then it gets shoved to the. BCC and they yeah I mean, the best case scenario is that um, no, people come out for the fourth you know where we're having a discussion on the plan and there'll be a presentation and we'll go through the plan of how we addressed all of your concerns along with all the public comment that we've received um, during this public comment period which to date has been um, if there's nothing <laughs> Shattering, um, I was going to pretty much a lot of kudos up okay. until this point. Well, wow. um, no major concerns. Some of them really good, mm -hmm. actually, but um, but I'm surprised by the fact we've got small number of people to respond. Well, theoretically, if you did it right to begin with, there shouldn't be a lot, right? That's right. Yeah, um, that's how we're looking at it. Um, I mean, we've definitely, and we'll go through this on the fourth, but I mean, we have ads in the paper, radio, we have our mailing list of 3,000 contacts, which um, I have to check. We'll provide that number on the fourth, but I got an email last week and we had a 45% open rate. Um, so that's pretty, that's pretty decent. Not just someone who sees the email, like they actually clicked on the link. Oh, okay. So, um, and I'm sure it's raised since then. So that was last week. Um, along with flyers, we have hung, um, social media, all, all of uh, all the different uh, outreach channels we have used. So, um, at this point, there have been no surprises. Um, I would expect. You know, the only negative comment at this point had to do with, um, yeah, uh, had to do with the timing and someone who just got the email and had no idea this process was going on and didn't really had enough time to, oh, okay. Okay. it was government trying to shove this down people's throats. Wow. Oh, God. <laughs> You'll see the comment. Um, and then there was a nice really long email all about the stone lane extender. Oh, that Which was just completely inside the city limits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I've been getting a lot of that too. Oh. I forwarded it over to Rebecca. <laughs> I was like, here you go. <laughs> uh, she's like, we're getting a lot of these. Um, so you'll see all the comments that we received. We're going to attach it to the staff report and, and how we addressed um, the various comments. Um, ones that were just like typos or suggestions, you know, we took care of internally, and then we would reserve anything that we felt needed more discussion by the decision makers. We'll discuss those with you on the board, and at this point, there really aren't any. That's the only one. So, um, let's see. Let's also, 
the latest, uh, the information that we got today was from the applicant. We haven't heard from the city yet on, on the, the other side. Is this going to say So um, it's tabled to a date specific, August, it's like three weeks from now. Uh, so, so stay tuned. <laughs> so the condition in essence will be for the county commission review is if the city and the applicant come to a consensus. Otherwise, I don't know. It could, it could get uh, tabled further if they don't have that, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah. I, I don't think were the storage sheds that was originally proposed. Years ago, was that tabled or was that denied? No, that was approved. Oh, no, it was approved. It was approved by the county commissioners. Okay. Planning commissioners as well made a recommendation. It was approved by the county commissioners, but there was tabled. Tabled the whole thing. The city issuing the watershed protection permit, which they never did. Right. And so it died. Oh well. Um, yes. Uh, I guess one more little piece of that that got interesting is what you all heard about water quality was a huge concern by Mount Warner. Uh, we followed up with the city, who then in their letter when they requested the tabling, they also uh, provided their position that they hold water quality to their highest standard and they would never be requiring the core trail through a property if there was a water quality concern. Oh. And so what do they expect to happen when it gets not much property? It's Everybody like, got a core trail through. Was that part of Mount Warner's? They already had a core trail through one of them. Exactly. Right. Exactly. But it's with a fence. fence. Yeah. Yeah, that's an important. Oh, uh, well, so well. Yeah. Exactly. So it's it's interesting. <laughs> so at the commissioner's hearing, Mount Warner did not make any comments about the rest of water quality in this trail. Oh. oh, and I guess the other update is that Mount Warner, Warner, <laughs> um, they. Uh, Approved to Mitch's out of service district. Out of district service. Oh, of good. Service. Well, that was a good thing. Um, well, I which, was out of service part of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So that that did happen, and they removed the clause in there that was the concern that um, they wouldn't that Mitch could not agree to allow the trail to go to his property. Right. Ooh. Remember. That was a huge issue. So they removed that clause in favor. Here we are. The other easements came off the table. No, they said they were going to keep them on. They reiterated that at the hearing. It's like those are going to be there no matter what. So it was really just a matter of negotiating the terms of the easements. Mm -hmm. To be continued. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Christy, should we plan to be at Board of County Commissioner ratification on the 30th? There's no reason why Not really. we need to be doing No, that. unless there was like a 
Uh, concern, but I mean, everybody seems to be perfunctory, is the word. Yeah, that's what I yeah. have. So, yeah. I mean, they don't want us there to cheer them on. And we, we don't have to. Yeah. Okay, good. <clears throat> so, what's your sign on? Are we good? We're done. <clears throat> Thank you, everyone. Red. Thank you. Thanks, Red. Yeah. Red. 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 Red.